Hey everybody, this is So Many Sequels. I'm Josh. And I'm David. Wow. Welcome to So Many Scares. Yeah. That's right. Ooh, uh, you know what? We, I need to we need to figure out like a special spooky theme song. Uh, I know someone we yeah. can call. Spooky Maybe rainbow. we can get a nice little spooky So Many Sequels. Yeah. <laughs> well, so many songs. Yes, we need so many scares graphic from our Resident favorite graphic designer, hopefully. <laughs> we'll be reaching out to you soon, David. If you yeah, do we this need first to uh, be prepared. I was watching a video the other way the other day. The per the how you make a song spooky, right? Is you add a lot of bells and theremin. The theremin. Yeah, theremin will do it. So you add a little bit of that. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'll do it. That'll, that'll do I'll, it. I'll spook up that theme song. <laughs> I can't remember. Was this someone's pick? We usually when we do so many scares, we pick. Movie Genuinely, week. I don't remember what we're doing for the full month. I nope. only remember the first two weeks. I don't remember how we're finishing. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But figure it out. That's we'll figure it out as we always do. And right now fun. we're just going to enjoy it. Bye bye. Yeah. If it needs to be, this can be mine because I love this movie. Spooky season is upon us. If you're lucky, maybe there's a chill in the air. Not so much for us right now, but I'm looking forward to it because we watched a movie this week that I, and I'm sure you guys and people listening to Hold a lot of nostalgia for, right? We're talking sure. about Disney's Hocus Pocus. This movie came out in 1993. Of course, everybody's talking about the sequel, the long, long-awaited sequel that is coming out on Disney+. Plus. I think it's actually this week that's coming out. So that'll be really exciting. Indeed. Hocus Pocus, of course, introduced us to three iconic witches, the Sanderson sisters. I need to figure out how to turn off my... Sounds actually. Bette Midler, Sarah Jessica Parker, and Kathy Najimy made these characters almost like Halloween pop culture icons, I feel like, since 1993. So let's just dive into it because people know the movie. We don't need to go through the premise, I don't think. I don't, yeah, maybe. I don't know. You don't think? So the Sanderson sisters have been basically locked under a curse for hundreds of years. And they are accidentally freed by Max, a new student, new resident of Salem. But of course, witches are just a long part of the history there. And they are then sent on a quest with his little sister and his high school crush to put them back in witch prison. That's the best. <laughs> that's basically it. <laughs> well, it's to turn the, yeah, to defeat them, turn them to, to defeat them. So that's the premise. Anybody itching to jump in? You might want to go first. Anyone yeah. have a, is there a Hocus Pocus hot take to get us started? Yeah, I, I guess I got well, one. Yeah. I feel like, I, you know what? I've seen David a little squirmy down there in the oh, little no. video box. I Look. feel like there's something coming that's going to shock us all to our core. I feel no, like he got the scares ready. I got two things I want to say. Okay. First is, no. I like most people, and I think I have the data to prove that, I like most people did not see this movie theatrically. So... My entire memory of this movie is basically just every year when they would run this on Disney Channel and every year when they would run on ABC Family or Freeform or whatever that was at any given time, right? I don't feel like I have ever seen the first 20 minutes of this movie. So, base, yes, because I always came in like halfway through. There was always like back, you guys remember the You 90s? always saw it on TV when you didn't have a chance to rewind it. I didn't have it, it on, have it on VHS. I didn't have it on any kind of home video. So... I would always catch it as it was happening. That was the 90s, babe. There was no rewind. There was no uh, there was no DVR. So I would just catch it midway through. 
usually. So I had no, I always thought that all the stuff that they referenced about the past was just like referential. Like they never, they never showed any of it. So this was probably my first real time watching the whole movie in its entirety. And I think it's a really good movie. I think it's a lot of fun. I think it is camp to heck. It predates it. So technically what I'm about to say is going to be the reverse. It's kind of the Halloween, the Santa Claus in a lot of ways, because it's Disney taking that iconic holiday and working with it. Now, technically, I guess the Santa Claus is the Christmas Hocus since Hocus Pocus came first. True. But uh, as great as I think it is, and as I'm going to give it a very good rating here at the end, I do think it's kind of overrated in how much it's blown up over at least over the last few years. I feel like there's been this, I mean, like when we say cult classic, that's what it is because this movie had no impact when it first came out and only built because of its second life on television. I enjoy it a lot, but I am surprised by how many people really, I don't know. It is weird. how It's kind of strange how iconic it became to me. What about you? I don't remember when I first saw it. I just remember it. It's kind of one of those things that always existed. If I saw it in theaters, I was three, so I wouldn't remember it anyway. But for a long time, I didn't watch it a lot. It's kind of, I compared it to a Christmas story for me, where there are some movies that you just associate hardcore and it's a feeling, right? A Christmas story gives me a, a, a certain feeling like holiday season this year. There's some movies that you just watch it and say, yeah, I get this. And Hocus Pocus is that. I watch it. It's not quite holiday times where you're thinking about Halloween normally at this point in time. It's on your mind, but I wouldn't watch Hocus Pocus yet. But now that I have, I'm feeling it. I'm excited about it. And that's mostly what I get excited for. This movie's wholesome. It can be scary. It has moments where it is a little like jumpy. It's not like over yeah. the face, but the, whenever uh, he thinks Danny's in the bed and he pulls back the sheet and Sharon Michelle Gellar pops up, that moment is, it it's a good jump scare. It keeps yeah. you engaged. It keeps you entertained. And it's just fun. And the performances are good. All three of the Sanderson's, they really just lean into their characters and they just go for it and again i think the movie as a whole does hold up it's a solid movie it's fun to watch there's not a lot of special effects so everything is pretty practical and that holds up and it doesn't look out of place yeah it was made in 1993 or, but it doesn't look like it's 1993 it feels fine so no no problems for me josh yeah it's very it's still very fun. It does. And it is, it's really captured to me the feeling of Halloween as a child specifically. I don't know what it is about it, but somehow the setting seems like it's both like timeless and like a time that's been completely forgotten. There's this, I feel like there's this weird area of time in the, in the nineties specifically when this was made where there was a very short amount of time between classrooms with chalkboards and apples and the ideal version of a classroom and then like smart boards and whiteboards and it feels well, lost, but and also yeah. it's forever. And from like another perspective, like when the cars used to be like angular before yeah. they like rounded the headlights and they like yeah. curved all the cars. So I like that aspect of it, that it doesn't, it's, it doesn't feel dated, I guess. And another way that I think, no, never mind. I'm going to go to something different. The sisters in particular, I think one of the reasons why this movie has also grown in cult status into the mainstream is not just because of 
people being able to view it over and over again at home video and on television, but because the three actresses playing the Sanderson sisters have truly only become more iconic since then. Like Bette Midler was already freaking Bette Midler then, but now she's absolutely a legend. Sarah Jessica Parker, this is pre-Sex in the City. This is pre a lot of things you would have seen her in as a movie star. So like she has only had time to grow and Kathy Najimy is in everything. <laughs> she's in everything. She's Peggy Hill for crying she's out Peggy loud. Hill. Like she's fantastic. So you got these three stars who really carry the movie because I had to double check and the child stars really didn't become much of anything. Max doesn't even act anymore. And that's it character wise. I mean, you do yeah, have I mean, the nice cameos from Gary and Penny Marshall. And obviously, um, otherwise, there's no real star power in this. No, and even like other, so some other actors to shout out. Doug Jones plays Billy Butcher. He went on to be, he's become a huge, I'm not really sure what to call him. He's an actor. He does a lot of motion capture. Like a creature performer. Well, he's like the two, he's like the practical version of motion capture. Like he's in, he's every Star Trek alien that's ever. He's Guillermo del Toro's go to. Yeah, they put him in all the actual makeup. He's a character, he's a creature performer, really, like in in a lot of ways. And yeah. he's great at it. This might be one of his only times he actually has speaking lines. Yeah. But then it's also worth shouting out Jason Marsden as the voice for Thackeray Binks. That I would like me. to. I would. I would like to talk about now. Go for it. Part that for me, as a kid, did not did not matter at all. In this movie, it is so awkward. That's has it always been the case that he dubs this real life actor for the entire film not just as a cat in the past and when he's a ghost it's still jason marsden dubbing this kid's voice wait i did not know that with a really weird 1600s affectation like he's kind of british but i was it took me out a lot that's wait that really is what happened i'm pretty sure okay you watch the beginning of the movie whenever that kid talks it's jason marsden just dubbing him the whole film. See, what I assumed was that they just had Jason Marsden do the cat, and then this kid was real-life Thackeray. But I also thought, that seemed silly. Why is it not just one of them? <laughs> Jason, it's not like Jason Marsden was in his yeah. 20s here. This is 1993. He's probably like 16, 17. He's old enough to get to play this part. Interesting. So it's... I need to know I, now. I need to find... We need to find out if it's actually dubbed, because that's... And what my wife wanted is that she thought that, like, when he was human... At the beginning and at the end, it was the kid doing the voice, and it, Jason was only the cat. And she thinks that maybe they've gone back and redubbed it and had Jason do the whole movie for whatever VHS or home release or whatever, because she <laughs> seems to remember that kid having a real voice. And I don't know, but it, it I have to I'd have to rewatch it again. But like at the end, it was definitely still wow. It was hoping, I'll be with you, you, you forever. It was, I'm loving this hocus pocus conspiracy. We just very strange un- unraveled. Love uh, Jason Marsden though. Yeah, he's great as the cat and or the boy. If that is in fact the case, although that's weird. I love um, to find out that they Darth Vadered this random kid. <laughs> so I, I did. I wanted to talk about Max as a character. Uh, man, for, this guy. Man, this guy. Yes, <laughs> that's what I was thinking because I don't remember having these thoughts as a kid. But watching it this time, I was like, man, this kid sucks. He thinks he's too cool for Halloween. He whines. Who is too cool for Halloween? I love Halloween. Is the worst town for him to go to because this town is like hardcore. They're believers in Halloween. And they're like, what? You don't believe in dead witches? It's, I don't know. It's like, 
One, one or two things. This movie's incredibly horny. All right. There is a <laughs> lot. No joke. They they were like, they could have had that thing like will be when a virgin lights the candle. That could have been the only mention. They go ham on this kid being a virgin. They do. Like, he's 15. Yeah. Leave the guy alone. Well, I know Sarah Jessica night. Parker very much wants to help him be, not be that anymore. I know. I mean, that's it was, creepy in and of itself. Oh, uh, yeah. And that's a whole other aspect is Sarah Jessica Parker in this movie is like a TikTok dream. Because she's just all glammed up, parting herself around. There's a part where she, there's a part where she opens her mouth to catch water, and I was like, "How has this not been gift to heck?" And so there's all that. Then there's the guy on the bus who's really wanting to get with all three of them. Yeah. So yeah, and then and obviously it's Halloween, baby. You know what I'm saying? And obviously the guy hanging out with Gary Marshall or Gary Marshall as the devil. Why did he let sequence. three strange women into his home? It was oh, the nineties. That's not a good answer. I guess. In 1993, everyone was getting so laid that let's just pick on this random 15-year-old because he's a virgin. Because that was like the one of the weirder aspects of the movie for me. Clarence is a real quick, David. I had two but quick go, parts. Sorry, but I... yeah, but Max is a weirdo. Max is a dude. Yeah. He, Max well, and the... so my thing is he comes from L.A. and his bullies, Ice and the other guys, seem like they're from right. L.A. I mean, oh, yeah. he has his name carved into his thing and he's got the hair and they're like... They look like they came from L.A. and are yeah. bullying the Massachusetts guy who's over Halloween because right. that's all I have to deal with. That would have at least more sense character, actually. But I had a problem with that. And then the other one was the brooms. Because those little girls, they steal those brooms and they fly away. Seemingly. But then as you hear the... Sounds and then later they're flying on mops and brooms and vacuums and stuff. So where does the witch broom magic power come from? It's my only the witch, I would assume. Then why do those girls get to fly? Are they real witches? Maybe once they've enchanted the device, the device. then it has permanent enchantment, but they have to enchant mm -hmm. it first. But we never see those brooms again. Those girls could be halfway to L.A. by now. Yeah. This dude. I remember right. They're yeah, the Harry witches of Beastwick at that point in time. Sorry, in terms, in, in, in terms of a line given to an actor. This is a bad line. Max looks at Cat right in his face because his cat, this cat says something about his sister. And this boy looks this cat in the face and goes, you really miss her, don't you? Yeah, he misses his dead sister. What kind of question is that? He's been a cat for 300 years. Of course he misses his dead <laughs> sister that, he, that died in front of him. What kind of idiot question is that? Max is a real menace. <laughs> How do we feel about the lore of the salt? The salt thing is the one thing where I've always been like, you mean I just got to put a ring of salt around me and I'm fine? That's not real. That's the only time I've ever heard that. Well, in any other horror movie, as popular as this one gotta, is, it has become over time. I've never heard anybody else implement or use that any other well, point in time. You got to watch more Supernatural. They're all about salt on that show. They're oh, blasting they demons with salt it. guns. That's All true. kinds of stuff. Yeah, that was, I'm pretty sure it's salt. Now, pre-night, pre, -night, pre uh, whatever that show came out, 2004. Yeah, that would have been my first hearing of a salt circle. But uh, all I could think about was was how to get how to keep a sea bear away from SpongeBob. Fair enough. What are some of your favorite parts? Do we have any like favorite parts that you always come up and think of? For me, it's obvious. Like I really like when Sarah Jessica Parker just says "amuck." The way she says "amuck," 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 is just always really funny. But what about you guys? I like it when they're about to hang them at toward the beginning, and Winifred is just yes. <laughs> he's like almost nonchalantly answering questions. There's not a noose around the deck. The most, I think I, 
I think the most iconic element of the movie is the I Put a Spell on You song sequence with Bette Midler. And for some reason, in my head, that whole part sure. was way longer. Yeah. It is actually a pretty short little snippet of the movie. And yet I feel like whenever they would promote this movie on TV, this Friday, Hocus Pocus, I put a spell on you. It was like all the promotion. This movie, I think it's the most recognizable part of the movie. And surprisingly, not in there that much. But uh, yeah, I would say probably that. I like the part where Billy, um, what's his last name? Billy Butcherson gets his fingers crushed off. The thing, it's just a very, it's just a very traditional comedy thing. He's like, he goes down. Yeah. And you just hear. I don't know. Simple pleasure. Well, I mean, one of the more remembered moments and one moment that I do see a uh, gift pretty frequently is, oh, look, another glorious morning makes me sick. <laughs> That's a great line. The great yeah. line. Uh, yeah, this movie I, really, le- like, really benefited from Bette Midler's sort of over-the-top performance. Yes, her theatricality was necessary for this. I think it helps a lot that you got three actresses who have... actual theater experience to play these very cartoonish witches. I have a lot of questions. So (laughs) I have questions about the town in general, and maybe these will be answered in Hocus Pocus too. But in movies and and shows like this, where usually they're children fighting dark forces of some sort, the town seems oblivious to everything the whole time. This is a thing in Stranger Things recently too, if anyone has watched that. But why does no one notice? (laughs) Just why does no one notice, I guess? Part of it comes from the song sequence. I believe she hypnotizes the parents into just dancing all night. And that's why when they stumble out in the post-credits, they are mid-credits. They're all like, good grief, we like dancing there all night. No one questions Mm. at least the passage of time that happened. It's like Like, nothing. They got so wrapped up. Yep. They're just like, nobody's noticing these kids just leaving. The, every parent was at that party. There's all kinds There's of a way to get away from them damn kids, i tell you what. Big hole in Max's house, the top of his house now. That's going to be an interesting way to, interesting thing to follow up. So I don't know. I mean, obviously, yeah, it's just like, that's just a general conceit of children's horror, I guess, for lack of a better word, is that just you know, your parents are oblivious or they're just unable to help yeah, you in they- any way. It's been it, things like that. Like, it's just a common trope, I guess. And... Um, I get it. I'll bring it up later. But yeah, I, I don't know, Josh. Maybe they will. I bet it happens again, though. Follow-up question about the kind of connecting the lore here. Um, again, something else I wouldn't have thought of as a child. But as an adult, at the end, when we have Zachary getting to reunite with Emily. Is that her name? So she just had to stay a child for 300 years? Is that how oh, that yeah. version of the afterlife yeah. works? I guess ghosts don't age, really. Like, it just, I don't know. Something irks me about her being killed by witches as a little girl and then having to be a little girl for eternity. I think, yeah. I think that's a pretty common... I think that's a pretty common depiction of the afterlife. No, you're you're right. It is common, but I just... You don't think about it because they don't make movies anymore where, you know, you see a literal ghost child like that. Well, they don't do... I mean, and and I get... Obviously, culturally, it might vary a little bit, but usually... When you have a ghost scenario, yeah. it is always like whatever they looked like the last time when they died. They're always wearing the same things. Yeah. As Carl Pilkington right, said, you, right. never see, you never see ghosts wearing anything from the 70s. They're always like Victorian. I um, guess yeah. where I start to pick at it a little bit is it makes sense for Zachary because he was cursed. She just died. So she had her 
life sucked out of her. Yeah, it would make sense to me that he didn't age in that time. But because at the same time, if you age as a ghost, when would you ever stop aging? Would you? These just are like, my I mean, questions that you're, probably you're, should be directed to someone with more credentials than either of you. You really have no biology as a ghost. So <laughs> if you're a three hundred year old ghost and you're in the afterlife and you're three hundred years, what would you even look like? You'd look like yeah. dust. Yeah. <laughs> I just like to think there's a period where you peak like Sean Connery did. You just peak and you don't look any worse ever. <laughs> you don't look any better, any worse. Yeah, yeah. you hit your peak and then you stay there for eternity. That's how I like you to know. imagine it. Paul Rudd's been in that peak for a long time exactly. now. Exactly. Yeah, great example. Paul Rudd might be uh, a cursed cat. Paul Rudd could, yes, he could be a factory binks of sorts. How many oh. Hocus Pocus conspiracies can we come up with? I hope we always spit out of plenty. this. But another one, here's, here, I feel like we could make this a conspiracy. David, you found a fun fact about this movie that you shared with us in Discord that I didn't know about. Oh, and I, so I wonder if other people might know about it because it involves a very famous person who was almost in this movie. Oh, you, you want me to say it? Yeah. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, you found uh, it. You yeah. found that little treasure. In an interview with Variety a few years back, Leonardo DiCaprio revealed that he almost played Max. He didn't say he played almost played Max, but that's the assumption, is that he would have played Max in this movie. It's in, We all kind of have a vision of Leonardo DiCaprio as being however old he is now, 42. But when he was younger, he would have been the right age to play be in this movie. He turned it down, though. He said that Disney offered him more money than he had ever imagined at that point, which I feel like still probably wasn't that much. But he was like a 15, 16 year old actor. And he turned it down because he really wanted to do a little indie movie called What's Eating Gilbert Grape. And that was a big part of launching his actual career. And I'm not to say that like a good actor can always think shine through. So it's possible that he still would have had a big career even if he was in Hocus Pocus. But I kind of feel like obviously he made the right decision. Obviously, sure. obviously it didn't, it didn't end well end poorly for him. I oh, think about, yeah. I just feel, I feel like his, yeah, I think you're right that his career could probably still shine through, but I do think it, it might be significantly different if he had gone down this path, but I don't think the movie would have been any different. And I think that's oh, no. why it, it probably would have changed his career path because I just don't think this character is very strong. Even with a good performance, I still think that it's just not strongly right. written. I mean, like I think about... Perform, you can only perform so well. But you can't outshine Bette Midler, Sarah Jessica Parker, and Kathy Jimmy. Like no, and he wouldn't have. I mean, that Leo at that age wasn't like incredible. I this is the I grew up watching Growing Pains, and he was on that show toward the end for a little bit. So I remember mm -hmm. like little teenage DiCaprio. He's basically just this kid. <laughs> yeah. So and that's why I think the movie would be the same. He might struggle. I don't know because he got that was his first Oscar and Golden Globe nomination was for Gilbert Grape. And that's quickly followed with Romeo and Juliet and then Titanic. Maybe he wouldn't have gotten, if he hadn't have gotten the Titanic role because he didn't do Gilbert Grape, think of the butterfly effect with that. <laughs> could have been a very different career. Although, you never know. People like, he could have had a career maybe more akin to Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who was also kind of a younger child star who did a lot of different projects. Started to like kind of get typecast as a cute kid. Took some time off, came back as an adult actor. I don't know. You never know when the, with these types of things. Nope. Nope, you never know. All right, without any last thoughts on Hocus Pocus before we shift gears here, we'll go into the box office for this movie. 
Yeah, yeah. Let's move on to the box office. This movie didn't have an international release, so I'm going to just, we only really have the domestic numbers to worry about. Also want to say that Yabos scene was awkward as heck. But what scene? Yeah. It was supposed to be. When, when his sister was like, my, my brother really likes your Yabos. Is, he, is that what she says? There yeah. were several times when Danny was being a younger sister, and I don't have a younger sister, but I still, the older brother embarrassment. Yes. It really hurt a lot. So Hocus Pocus. Now, I got a little fun fact about this, too. Hocus Pocus opened the weekend of July 16th, 1993. And we've talked about this before with the strange time release for a holiday film. Releasing a movie which is very clearly about Halloween in July seems like an odd choice, but executives thought that it would capitalize on the fact that kids weren't in school. And even Stupid. during Halloween, even during October, kids are in school, might impact the box office. Unfortunately, didn't really work out. Hocus Pocus would open to $8.1 million in its opening weekend, just to hit the free willy in the number five. So Hocus Pocus was, uh, would finish in the number four spot, free willy at number five. And number, the number one spot was the movie, a movie called The Firm. At number two, you had a movie called In the Line of Fire. And at number three, a film that you may or may not have heard of in its sixth week, Jurassic Park. So those made 13 million. Thir- those made 13, 13, and 10. So pretty too, honestly, pretty tough competition. Even Jurassic Park in its sixth week is still going to be pretty popular with this same group of the same demo. Mm-hmm. And then Free Willy is also going to be hauling a lot of your money away for family-friendly films. Free Willy, wonder if we'll ever do that. I don't know. It doesn't really fit most of our themes, but we could find a way. We could have a family. We could have it, a family month. The theme of sequels, and really, that's all you need. So yeah, many sequels have a, of Free Willy. Oh yeah, there are. Free There's Willys, at least three or four Free Willies, I think. I feel like Free Willy. How Willys many times three... is Willie getting trapped, man? They leave <laughs> Willie alone. Now. Let poor him whale. be free. Let this poor orca be uh, be at peace. We all um, went through an orca period because of that movie, right? Or is that just? Oh, a course? absolutely. Of course, orca is the best. I think it's technically a dolphin. The best sea man. Yeah, it was Free Willy said it all, and then we forgot, and then Blackfish brought it back. Yes, um, Blue Sea World. It wouldn't be a great run for Hocus Pocus, as it would finish with just $39.5 million over the course of its 13-week run, and that's not really high enough to finish on most yearly charts in terms of the top five. For 1993, it was a pretty stacked year. You're going to remember, we just talked about some of these movies, but at number one for the year, you had Jurassic Park, and number two... <clears throat> Excuse me. At number two, Mrs. Doubtfire. At number three, The Fugitive. At number four, The Firm. And at number five, Sleepless in Seattle. So pretty good, pretty memorable year for movies. Some other movies that came out that year, Schindler's List, Pelican Brief, Philadelphia, Groundhog Day. Came out that year, Grumpy Old Men. There you That's go. The some of That's an Andrew movie. Although I feel like, I feel like, I don't know. I feel old men. I feel like I have some other friends that are really into that movie. Oh, Sister Act 2 came out that same year, also starring one of the Sanderson sisters. What's her name? Jimmy. Oh, nice. So that is our ratings, though. That's the wrap of the box office. Do we have any, like, quick predictions of what we might expect for the upcoming sequel? Which you can hear our review of soon for So Many Scares, but do we have any? I'm only cautiously optimistic. I don't really think they can recapture the magic, personally. Mm. I'm highly pessimistic. Because I feel like this movie, as great as it is, I feel like it's as big as it is because of the repetition that we got as a kid. And sometimes I just feel like they're going to struggle. I mean, I feel like it's going to be this. It's going to be the exact same. And people are just going to look at it and go, yeah, but it's crap now. We're just a very different society now. So So people have changed. 
I feel like the movie could be, I feel like they could release Hocus Pocus today and people go, man, this sucks. You know what I mean? So I, I don't just, know, but people seem to love it still. They do. They love it because of its, because when it came out and they know that, right? But I feel like if you release the same movie today, people would go, wow, this is so bad. Disney does not know what they're doing. You know what I mean? So I feel like it, the movie will yeah. recapture some of the elements that made that first movie and people are going to look at it and go, ugh, she doesn't work. The fact that they're putting it on Disney Plus alone is I, it could uh, go either way. It could be either way, honestly. It could be they think it's going to just do better and it's more successful or it's bad and they don't want it with theaters. I predict that Sarah Jessica Parker will be riding a Swiffer. I may or may not have already seen that in the trailer. So. Yeah, Ooh. this seems likely. It will probably well, be what our... about an iPhone being magic. That's my prediction. Yes, there's going to be a lot mm. of there's going to be a lot of 2022 humor. All right. What are our ratings? Yeah, what are our rankings real quick? I'm going to spit mine out quick. It's 3.5 for me, which is great in my scale. Yeah, I'm going to give it a 3.5 as well. Four stars, baby. Mm-hmm. What do we, do we want to do? A, are we looking at Letterboxd? Yeah, let's look yep. at that real quick. I actually accidentally saw the score, so it'll be Ooh. up to you two this week. And while you think about it, let me spit out a couple of my favorite funnies here as usual. We got the top rated review says, when I first watched this film as a kid, I asked my dad what a virgin was, and he told me it was a person from Virginia. then we got sorry i had to wait 300 years for a virgin to light a candle is probably one of the oddest flexes for closing lines of dialogue ever and then finally why did everyone bully this child so hard for being a virgin leave him alone he's like 15 that's what i said that's not my (laughs) review but that's what i said yeah it's very heavy on the virgin uh, shaming how much is how much i mean i know it was the 90s and everybody was just getting it left and right but come on by the way, I'll tell you what, that Vanessa Shaw as a kid was something else. Childhood uh, crush right there. Childhood. When I was a kid, I mean, Childhood I don't have sure, a crush yeah. on her anymore. When I was a kid, I was like, wow, that's that's, sure. a, that's an adult woman right there. Did not realize she was only 15. So what do you um, think the Letterbox community? Oh, the Letterbox community is going to give this a 3.3. 3.3. Okay. Ooh, I'm going to give it a 3.5 on the dot. Okay. I can tell you, I always love it when this happens because we have a direct hit. And we don't have to worry about a tiebreaker. And the direct hit is Garrett's 3.5. is exactly what the movie is averaged at on Letterboxd right now. That ends our Hocus Pocus episode. We'll be back next week with Hocus Pocus 2. We'll find out if any of our predictions were true. Hopefully it will exceed expectations. That's always my hope. But we shall see. That should be on Disney Plus for y'all next. At some point this week. I don't remember the day exactly. So... Check it out there and subscribe to So Many Sequels in your favorite podcasting app. You can find those links at so many sequels.com so that you can get that episode as soon as it comes out. And then, of course, we'll finish out the month with more Halloween stuff, too. We got a lot more So Many Scares up our sleeves. Probably some actual scares, too. We won't only do family movies. <laughs> Probably. Maybe. Yes. Casper we'll the Friendly you. Ghost. We'll see you all next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>